Good morning, everyone. Tashina. So you don't know that yesterday, when did I text you the, the thing that last night, Tashina, yesterday, yesterday evening? Yesterday, yesterday. Tashina, the script, the, the text, and the topic which I'm always changing and playing with. And she said to me, she has been camping out in the same second Timothy for the week. For me, that was a confirmation from God. That was a confirmation for me that the scripture I got was what God intended for me to share this morning. And so this morning, I, 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 I need your involvement today more than I needed it last week or any other time. I want us all to find 2 Timothy 1. We're going to read all 18 verses. We have the time. We're not rushing. Today's Sunday. And I'm going to ask every person to read one. So just chime in as you'll be read. So someone read verses one and two, another read verses three and four. And we just go ahead. It's 11 of us, I think, online. And it's 18 verses. Everyone who desires to read will get an opportunity to read. We're going to be reading from the NIV so that we can we can we can have consistency. The new international version, the NIV version, for those who are in a position to read. I'm aware that T Tamar is at work and 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 um, Jordan may be at work, but they may not be able to read. But those of us who are able to read, I'm going to ask you to open your text, Second Timothy one verses one to eighteen. I'll start reading and then you can just continue. But before I do, let me just open in prayer. Father, as the charge was given to me, I do not take it lightly. I read that very text this morning, that very section I was led to read again this morning. When Paul said to Timothy, actually looking at the gifts that, that Timothy had, that was my motive for rereading. But Lord, I hear it as a charge to me this morning that I do not take lightly, Father. Because I realize, Lord, it is you who have chosen and called and appointed and anointed. Using back Tashina's, some of Tashina's words, me. Lord, like Paul, I will say that, God, I did not choose me. I did had no ambition for this. I recognize also, Father, I was not earmarked by men who said okay i see this in you and i'm going to work with you no it was you god who called me called me the songwriter say you called me out of the dark you called me out you called me out lord and you were the one who said to me this is what i've called you to do lord you know in and of myself i would never have chosen this pathway because first and foremost i would have felt in illiquid but father I come this morning to you and I say, Father, as I respond to the charge given by Tashina, which I also receive as the charge of the church, I humbly come before you, recognizing my need for you. Father, there's nothing I can say of myself this morning. There's no words I can say to your people this morning that would have been adequate enough for what you want to say to them. Father, so I ask that you will speak through me this morning. May your people not only be hearers of your word, God, but let the transformation continue. The transformation that began, God, that you started in them. Let this word, God, cause the transformation to continue. Let it kickstart something else in them that needs to be worked on. Lord, we have been looking at the covenant for, I would say, maybe two months now, God. And realize that as I desire to move out, still this morning, the word comes, this week, the word comes back, continue with the covenant. And so, Father, I come this morning and I lay all my notes before you. I lay my thoughts before you. I lay every plan and every purpose and every desire of mine before you. And I say to you, Father, speak through me. As I reminded you this morning, as I heard you say, I am available, willing. I'm an available, willing vessel through which you can use. So take glory, Father. Take glory from everything that I do. And I give you thanks in Jesus' name. 
Amen. So my sisters and brothers, let us look at 2 Timothy 1. And I'll read verses 1 and 2, and then I'll ask someone to just, let us just continue. Just let us, are we all there, NIV version? We're all there. So I'll start and then just jump in as you feel led, okay? You may have two persons reading at the same time, but it's okay. One will always defer to the other. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. Three, two, two verses. Each person just read two verses. I so thank God. I thank God, whom I serve as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience as night and day. I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Loy, and in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you, through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love and of self-discipline. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me in prison, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who has saved us and called us into a holy life. I have to just finish that verse. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace this grace was given us in christ jesus before the beginning of time but it has now come been revealed through the appearing of our savior christ jesus who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel and of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That that is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted in him until that day. What, you, what heard. you heard for me. Go uh, ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Richard. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has de deserted me, including Phygelos and Hermon, that word. May the Lord show mercy to the household of that word because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. Anybody else? May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. Thank you, everyone, for participating in the reading. The topic that i have settled on is living in the power of the covenant requires stable faith living in the power of the covenant requires stable faith so you may ask what is stable faith stable faith is 
unwavering faith, not a faith that is up today, down tomorrow, up next week, down next month. No, it is a faith that is constantly believing in the unwavering faithfulness of God. I'm going to repeat. Stable faith is having an unwavering faith that believes in the unwavering faithfulness of God. No one has such a perfect opportunity to practice and develop faith as do those who must learn constantly to turn faith into fear. One must either succumb to the fearing nature altogether for the rest of their life or yield that fearful nature wholly to the Lord and use each temptation to fear as an opportunity for practicing faith. There is no middle course. This is, I got this from a book, Mountains of Spice, written by Hannah Homard. So what Hannah is saying, is that they yield to faith or you yield to fear. There is no middle mark. That are on the left or the right. You can't be driving in the middle. You can't today have a little faith and a little fear operating. She says that is, that is not constructive. You must either succumb to one or, succumb or yield to the, the other. No, and she said the best opportunity that you and I will ever get is when those moments of fear come and we choose to trust and have faith. When I read that, I said, wow. That's a powerful statement. That's a powerful instruction, a powerful call, a powerful encouragement, whatever she was intended it to be. We cannot continue to live like this in fear and faith. And that is what Paul was saying to Timothy. The, the second Timothy was written while Paul was imprisoned. He was imprisoned because of the gospel. Can you believe it? He wasn't in prison because he stole. He wasn't in prison because he killed. He wasn't in prison because he did anything sinful. He was in prison because he was sharing the good news of Jesus. The resurrected power was available to those who heard. So while he was in prison, Paul wrote 2 Timothy to his beloved co-worker and spiritual son. Timothy at the time was experiencing fear. And it is expected. If the person who leads you and the person who speaks so much about God and the good news is in prison because of what he's speaking about, wouldn't it natural for you, his follower, to become fearful? And that is what Timothy was experiencing. But Paul says to him, no, Timothy, this is not a time for fear. Second Timothy is also one of the last books, actually they say the final letter before Paul was martyred. This letter had a sense of urgency. When you read from, from chapters one to chapters four, you'll, you, you will detect that the tone of urgency and passion because Paul recognized that I am going to die. I have nothing to lose. Let me put it out there. A friend of mine told me this week, that the word witness actually means Martha. And so when we are called by Jesus to go and to be witnesses of him, in essence, he's saying, go and lay your life down. This is not something that you do as a part-time when you have nothing to do. or you feel. He says, no, every day live as if your life is going to be taken from you because you are sharing the gospel. Not because you're doing anything else. Not because the times are evil and you're living in an evil country. No, the, the death that we are facing is because we are sharing the gospel. Another friend and I had a discussion and she said to me, do you realize that our suffering is not because we can't pay the bills. That's not so the suffering God is talking about. In our suffering is not because we are sick in the body. That's not the suffering God is talking about. The suffering that Paul and God is talking about is the suffering for sharing, for being that one who testifies and shares the good news of the gospel. So if you share suffering because you can't pay a bill or you're sick in the body, that's not what God is telling you. That's not what he's saying to you to endure. Hardship, endure suffering. 
He's saying to you the suffering that he's calling you to endure and to persevere through are suffering because you have obeyed him and you are sharing the gospel. So the letter, as I said to you, was at, at this tone of urgency and passion as Paul encouraged Timothy to be strong in his faith and to continue in the work of the gospel despite the difficulties he was facing or despite the visible evidence that they were going to be persecuted for the gospel. This letter was filled with insights regarding the power of faith and the transformative power of the Holy Spirit that help believers persevere and endure the challenges and hardships that will come. Paul encouraged Timothy to remain, and, and, and as it encouraged Timothy, and as you and I read the, 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 the audience of this, of, this, of this letter, Paul is saying to us, remain steadfast in faith. Remain unwavering in your faith, not up today, down tomorrow, not crying today, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I know you love me. And tomorrow you question, Lord, where are you? Aren't you seeing my needs? But he encourages us to remain steadfast in the faith and to remain fearless in the truth of God's word. Paul began 2 Timothy by introducing himself as we read. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. He began by introducing himself as an apostle chosen according to the will of God. In essence, Paul is saying, this was my ambition. I didn't want to be an apostle. I wasn't chosen by men. And we understand why Paul would never have been chosen by men. Because it is the same Paul, before his name had changed from Saul, was persecuting the Christians. So who would have chosen, chosen him to be an apostle? No one. He would have been disqualified to be used as an apostle. But God chose Paul. And because of that, Paul said, I am divinely chosen and appointed by the will of God which is in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. The phrase in keeping with the promise of the life in Christ Jesus refers to the eternal life granted to believers in the new covenant through Jesus by the transformative work of the Holy Spirit. In verses three to five, Paul says the essence of, uh, of what Paul is saying. He's saying, be, be grateful, ex express gratitude for spiritual inheritance. I thank God, Paul said, whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayer. They are speaking to, to Timothy. He said, Timothy, there's never a moment that goes by. Morning and day, night and day, I am constantly praying for you. I am recalling your tears and I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, <laughs> which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. When I read that, I too gave and expressed gratitude to God for my spiritual inheritance. And I was mindful of those of us who may have said, you know, I have no, my grandparents are not, weren't saved. My mother wasn't saved. And you, and you cannot trace back in your family lineage who was saved and who was that praying grandmother, who was that intercessor that was praying for the family. But you know what? You may not have been able to identify it. And maybe it wasn't there prior to you. But guess what? God has chosen you. And he's now saying to you, you have the opportunity to express gratitude for what will be done through your lineage. That your nephews and your nieces and your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren will know about the love of God because of you. So when I when I read that this week and I'm, I'm and I'm preparing for the Lord, I had to go on the road and I began walking and I started to say, God, I thank you for the lineage. I thank you for the spiritual inheritance that is mine because my grandmother, now my mother, and now I I, I know me. I am praising and I'm saying and I'm singing with Tashina this morning. 
Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. I'm able to sing that song from a clear conscience, as, as Paul says, not from one being forced, but expressing and experiencing the love of Christ because my grandmother demonstrated that through her life. My mother is now demonstrating that. And I am given an opportunity to express to God that I love you because you first loved me. I know I'm able to pass on a legacy to my children and to my grandchildren and great-grandchildren because I too am able to say thank you, God. And I ask you to join this morning and stop and reflect upon your life. You may not, as I said before, have that lineage, but because you have said yes to Christ, the lineage will begin with you. You can make the difference. Your nephews and your nieces, your cousins, your friends can speak about the godly heritage of my friend or my aunt or my mother or my cousin because of something you did. Imagine when we are no longer here. And on our tombstone says 19, in my case it says 19, May 7th, 1969 too. Whatever the dash, whatever the year will end. But in that dash, the middle of that dash, my family members and my friends and those who, 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 who will live on and hear about me, even though they may never have met me, will hear about the evergreen who loved Jesus because he first loved her. And there were evidence of her life that she was loved and she loved. Imagine when if you and I are able to do that. So Paul expresses gratitude to God for his godly inheritance. And he highlights that and he said, I do this without, with a clear conscience because I know that I know that I know that I know that the God I serve is the same God of my mother, is the God of my ancestors. And so what he does, he encourages and reminds Timothy. And he says, Timothy, you have this, this, this sincere faith. You have this sincere faith. I saw it in you before. It's a legacy that you have received from, from your grandmother, Louis. And notice what he said, the faith that is alive. For something to be alive, it means that it is evidence. There's evidence of it. It's evidently there. And Paul is saying, Timothy, I see the legacy that you have. I see, I am aware of the legacy of faith in your life. I see it alive in your grandmother and I see it alive in your mother. And so Paul was emphasizing his conviction to Timothy. He said, Timothy, I saw that sincere faith in you when I was there with you moving about. But now I'm calling you to a stable faith. I'm calling you to live that faith, to experience, to exercise the legacy of faith that it was passed down to you and is alive in you. So he's saying, the state, sincere faith, Timothy, that you expressed and, ex, ex, and that you lived before, let it become a stable thing. And if Paul was here with us, Tashina, you charge me, this is what he would have said. My sisters and my brothers, my fellow co-workers in the vineyard, my bond servants, my servants who are bonded to the Lord like I am, he would say to us this morning, not only are you to have sincere faith, but I'm calling you to have stable faith because it is impossible to live in the power of the covenant without having stable faith. Remember, we were taught that the stable faith comes with better promises. And many times you and I will miss out on the promises of God because our faith, faith is wavering. Up today, down tomorrow. Here a bill, down a bill. Here a bill, pay a bill. And that's what we live. Here a sickness, gone sickness. And we're up and down because of our, of our visible evidence in our lives. But Paul is saying, and God is saying to us this morning, it is impossible for you to live and experience the power of the covenant fully 
if your faith is, is wavering. So in verse 6, Paul says to Timothy, stir up the gift within you. So initially he says, express gratitude, Timothy. Express gratitude for your inheritance. Now he says, stir up the gift within you. Verse 6 says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul not saying, you know, you know, you know what Paul is saying? I laid my hands on you and because I laid my hands on you, I am guaranteed that the Holy Spirit came upon you. The other person is not you know is nobody else who could have laid that may have been worshiping foreign God that he that I questioned or I doubted. Paul is saying, Timothy, because of the faith that is in your grandmother, in your mother, that I saw in evidence in you before, I am reminding you, Timothy, to fan this flame. The gift of the, the gift of fan into flame, the gift of God. Being assured of Timothy's faith, Paul reminds Timothy to fan the flame of the gift of God he received. The laying on of hands was a symbolic act used in the early church to impart spiritual gifts and blessings on individuals. And we still do that now. We still find ourselves being in the position where hands are laid upon us, especially in the place of commissioning or, or, um, or ordinations. People, hands were, are laid. We see hands being laid also for sicknesses or persons pronouncing a blessing. And Paul says, Timothy, remember when I laid my hands upon you? There was an impartation. Something happened. There was something that happened, Timothy. And I'm reminding you that what happened then is still in you. The person who entered you, the person, the person of the Holy Spirit who was there in that transference then is still indwelling you now. As a Paul reminds Timothy to exercise his faith, as he would say to you and I this morning, exercise your faith. And fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. Fan into flame the gift of God which was given to you, Timothy, by God through the Holy Spirit. When I, Paul, laid my hands upon you. According to 1 Timothy 4.14 and 2 Timothy 4.5 that Tashina also used to charge me this morning. Timothy, it revealed that Timothy had the unique gifts related to leadership. And he spoke about evangelism and teaching and the pastoral care. And Paul is saying to us this morning, anything that is inside of you, that is dormant. Because spiritual gifts were never, the, were never given to you to be dormant. You never receive them so that you could have them and you could say, this is the thing of mine, it's mine. No! The phrase fan, the phrase fan into flame meant to recognize by becoming aware, develop, Stir up, activate, and use. I remembered many years ago, I went to the Lord complaining. Because every time my phone rang, persons who would call, they would call me to pray. And I felt used. I felt like, why do they only call me when they want to pray? Why do they only call me when they want me to pray? And I went to the Lord complaining. And the Lord just simply reminded me, he said, what, what do you think you got the fruit, the gift to do? Have you ever seen a mango tree bearing the mangoes to eat for itself? No, right? So if I have given you the gift of intercession, which I didn't even know that I had, I just thought I love to pray. And I still would never tell you I have the gift of intercession. I would tell you I love to pray. And I love to pray in certain settings when the spirit of prayer comes upon me. But I went there complaining and God is saying to you and he's saying to me, whatever I have given to you through the Holy Spirit, I have not given it to you to remain dormant. I have not given it to you for yourself. The fan into flame says, recognize that God has given you some gift, something that is useful for the body of Christ. 
Develop it by using it. The more you pray, the more comfortable and the more intimate you become with the Father. Not words. I'm not talking about words. Because you can't pray without words. The more you pray, the more you become familiar with our God. And you can go into his presence. And you don't have to come speaking old English. Thou and they and, and thou art. You can come and you become comfortable with him. You don't have to have the, 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 the Miriam Webster dictionary and the, and the thesaurus before you to be able to pray. But when you become comfortable with our God, you can go before him and you can cry out to him and you can praise him and you, and, and you can petition him and you can give him thanks and you can confess your sins to him. So Paul says to Timothy, fan into flame. The phrase carries a vivid imagination of igniting a fire. And if you were a boy scout or a girl's guide, or you're, 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 you're from the country, you had to light the wooden fire and to, to, to roast the breadfruit or to fry the fish outside on the coal stove, where you have to light it and you have to fan it and you blow and you fan and you fan and you fan and you fan. That is what Paul is saying. Fan into flame the fire that was once in you. Tashina started this morning by asking us to remember that moment when we fell in love with Christ. That moment when you knew that you knew that you knew that you were saved and there was no turning back. That moment when God came and, became and made himself real to you. Paul said to Timothy and he's saying to you and I this morning, fan into flame. Come, fan into flame, blow on that fire, rekindle that flame that might be dying down in you. Spiritual gifts, as I said to you before, was never meant to be dormant. They were to be kept ignited and used to serve God's purpose to edify the church and to bring glory to him. In reminding Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God, Paul was calling Timothy to recognize what he had. He had the Holy Spirit. He had the Holy Spirit, which is also the gift of God. And by having the Holy Spirit, he had all the gifts at his disposal. Everything that God wanted to do through Timothy, he could do because the Holy Spirit was living in Timothy. And I would say the same thing to you. Don't narrow it down to, oh, I preach. Oh, I teach. Oh, I pray. Oh, I speak in tongues. No, 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 no. Do not settle. God can use you to do anything he wants to do once the Holy Spirit is indwelling you. The Holy Spirit has all the gifts. It is he who gives the gifts. Notice they call it gifts of the Holy Spirit. So if he's inside of you, he can work in you and through you to accomplish whatever the Father desires. So God, so Paul is saying to Timothy, fan into flame, Timothy. This unique spiritual gifts that were given to you to serve and build up the body of Christ and to advance the kingdom of God. And so this morning, Paul is saying to you, NLH, fan into flame. Some of us started out running well. And over time, we life, life, we got tripped up by life. We got busy. We got discouraged. God didn't meet a need when we thought he could have met or that he should have met the need. And Paul is saying to us, no, fan into flame. We kindle that which is dormant. In verse 7, Paul speaks of the spirit of the power and love and self-control. And he said, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. What gives us power, love, and self-control? Notice, he said, for this reason. He said, because you have faith, Timothy. Because I know you have faith. Your grandmother had the faith. Your mother had the faith. And it's a legacy. Take that faith. Use your faith and fan into flame. 
Now he's saying to him, Timothy, because I know you have the gift of the Holy Spirit, because I was the one who laid my hands on you. No, I know the spirit that is in you does not make you fearful or timid. It does not cause you to lack the courage to do that which you're assigned to do. Instead, it gives you power. It gives you love. It produces love and self-control, self-discipline. Paul was emphasizing that Timothy had the gift of the Holy Spirit. He was emphasizing that God has given Timothy the Holy Spirit. Therefore, Timothy had no reason to be fearful. Am I saying to you that it is sinful to be fearful? No, I'm not saying that. Neither, I'm not, neither am I not saying that. What I'm saying to you is this. Fear is an emotional response to danger. However, fear in the absence of courage is sin. I'm going to repeat. Fear is an emotional response to danger. However, fear without courage is sin. And if you go into Revelation, which I do not know the exact scripture right now to, 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 to tell you, it tells us that the fearful man will not enter heaven. He, he, he classifies the fearful man just the same way he classifies the liar, the murderer. And he says the man who fears. And it's not because he's saying he's afraid of lizards. But if lizard will, it will cause you not to share the gospel when you need to share the gospel. Where is the courage? Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, the Holy Spirit that indwells you does not give you fear. So if you're feeling fearful, Timothy, it's not him. The Holy Spirit does not, thank you, Karen, Revelation 21, verse 18, thank you. The Holy Spirit does not give you the, the, that spirit of fear because fear is a spirit. Verse 8, she says, 21 verse 8. The Holy Spirit does not give you that spirit of fear. He comes with power. The Holy Spirit empowers the believer to face life challenges with courage and boldness. And so Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, the spirit I am telling you about, that you have, that when I laid my hands on you, you received and you received the gifts that came from him. Timothy, he does not come with fear. Instead, Timothy, he empowers you. Instead, Timothy, he produces love in you that you should be able, that is the foundation of your interaction with others that enable you to love as loved. The Holy Spirit produces self-control as well, a necessary essential to guide us to use our gifts wisely and responsibly. It allows us to stay focused. When you have, when, when, when self-control or self-discipline is produced in you, you, you have the ability to, to be focused, to stay focused on God's purpose for your life. And to stay focused as you use the gifts to give God glory. So Timothy says to, to Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, the Holy Spirit, the fear that you're feeling and experiencing because I'm imprisoned. And you're fearful that what is happening to me is going to happen to you as well. Is not from the Holy Spirit. And he's saying that to you and I. You and I were fearful of going on the road and going to share in the public spaces. To tell a friend about Jesus. We're afraid to tell a friend because we don't want to, 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 to look as if we, we, we are off. We don't want to be looked down on and we are fearful. Timothy, Paul is saying to, to, to you this morning, that's not the Holy Spirit that is in you. The Holy Spirit in you does not make you fearful to share the good news of Jesus. The Holy Spirit that is in you causes you to be bold, causes you to be courageous, causes you to want to go and share the good news with power. 
He causes you to want to, to interact with others and to show them the love of God that you are testifying about this morning to say to our neighbors and our friends and to the world, come and know the love of the Father that I now am aware of. That like Ruth, you want to run out on the mountaintop, physically in her situation, and shout that I am loved by the one who loves the most. The Holy Spirit is calling you, calling me this morning. And he's saying to you, as I have been empowering you, go and share the good news. In Romans 4 verses 3, Galatians 3, 6 and James 2, 23, say the same thing. It tells us that although Abraham, the covenant of the of circumcision, the, the, the sign of the covenant was circumcision, it was through faith that Abraham's righteousness was credited to him. It wasn't because he circumcised. And now we see many of our men being circumcised as a, as, as, as a physical health practice. But that doesn't make them righteous. It is faith in the one who is faithful. It is having that stable faith in the one who is unwavering in its faithfulness that would cause you and I to live in the power of that covenant. Live, I don't mean to, because the covenant is already made with us. But to live actively fulfilling it each day and benefiting each day from it, we have to have stable faith, unwavering faith. Romans 8 verse 5 tells us that the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you will live in fear again. Oh my God, when you read that scripture, the text is saying, okay, it was okay to live in fear when you did not receive the Holy Spirit. But now that you have received the Spirit, it is no longer okay. It is no longer acceptable to live in fear. And it, and it is speaking to me directly, even my fear of lizard that would cause me not to go through my door. It is, in, it is no longer acceptable. It is unacceptable. To allow myself and yourself to go back to live in fear when the Holy Spirit came and empowered you and removed you from that place of being a slave. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba Father. Think about it. I remember growing up with a mango tree that had both common mangoes and julie engrafted in. Bet you never go and separate them. No. If you separate them, you'll never get julie again. You can't even go and just say, okay, let me pick up all the julie mangoes and there'll be no more. No, no. Next year is julie coming back out on those limbs again. And God is saying to you, now that you have the Holy Spirit, you are adopted as sonship. Now that my, my, my son died for you and you have received the forgiveness of your sin. You are adopted and you are now sons of God. And not because we are girls, we say we are not. No, no, no. I am claiming, claiming my sonship. This is the one time I'm claiming my sonship. I'm not claiming no daughtership. I am claiming my sonship because as a son, I am the heir of God and co-heir with Christ. And I am standing up for what is mine. I'm standing up for my rights. When that will was written, my name was on it and I want what is mine. This is the time that I am going to fight for my right. I don't want a dead left otherwise. But this time, I want the dead left. I want the inheritance that comes with Knowing that I am a son. My identity is I am a son of God. 
I would have said, no, no, I'm all setting on my daughter of God. But no, no, no. It is rightly fitting for me this morning and for you, my sisters, as we join our brothers and say, we are the sons of God. And I'm not going to get into the gender thing this morning because being a son says to me, I am, I have equal rights as my male counterparts. And God is saying to you and he's saying to us through this second Timothy this morning, my daughter, my son, embrace suffering for the gospel, verses eight and nine. Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or be ashamed of me, his prisoner, Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, you know, we have a way of being ashamed of people and we don't want to be associated with them because their lifestyle may not be what we want to reflect or want anyone to think that we're associated with but Paul said to Timothy Timothy don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ don't be ashamed of me being in prison locked away in the dungeon rather come join me Timothy Come join me and suffer for the gospel with me. You notice he didn't say? He didn't say come and suffer for not paying your bills. He didn't say come and suffer for not meeting your mortgage or paying your rent or buying food or wearing clothes or, or paying your light bill. He said come and suffer for the gospel. That is the suffering we are being called to endure and to embrace and to persevere in. So if you're suffering for anything other than for the gospel, you're not suffering for Christ. If you're suffering because they don't have any money. But if your lack of money is because you have given up your life for Christ, you are indeed suffering for the gospel. Let me make that distinction clear. But if your lack of money is not because of your association with God, you're not suffering for the gospel. You're having a regular human suffering. And so Timothy said, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Some of us are afraid to tell our friends that we are saved. And so we have two different sets of friends. The unsaved, which is good to have, but they must know that you must be you are saved. Because the aim is to cause them to know the love of Christ that you have experienced. But if you're living compartmentalized lives where you're Friends who are unsaved, do not know that you are saved. Yet you have another group where you meddle with. But because you are saved, you are saying, no, 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 no. Paul, you are saying to us and you are saying to God, I am ashamed to testify that I am saved. But Paul says, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or about him, Paul, who is in prison. Rather, join. Let us join in suffering for the gospel. Let us join in telling the good news of others, of God to others, by the power of God. Notice the power of God, not your power, not your limited power, but the power of God that will empower you, give you the words to speak, give you the courage that you need, give you the gifts that you need to carry out the task assigned. Paul encourages Timothy. To testify about the Lord. To preach regardless of the circumstances he finds himself in. The truth is, many of us are not there. Many of us are not at the place where we are ready to preach the gospel of Christ to the point where our lives may be taken from us. We go in settings that are comfortable. And we share in settings that are comfortable. But we are not, most of us, many of us, are not at the place where if our lives are going to be taken from us, we will open our mouth and still declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. And in a sense of Paul, he said, Paul, Timothy, God's power is invincible. God's power is great. So when you share in the suffering of the gospel by the power of God, it's not by your little limited power that you may have at home where you're, you, you are the kingpin in your home and you run your house. No. 
This is the invincible power of God that in any setting you find yourself in an assignment for him, he empowers you to speak. And that is why we could see Stephen being stoned to death and being able to look up to heaven and say, Father, forgive them. Like Jesus, Stephen was able to say, forgive them, Father. And powerfully speaking and holding on to what he believes. Even when his life was being taken from him. So Paul said, embrace suffering. Embracing suffering is not about seeking hardship. But recognizing that when we face challenges, the power of God sustains us and enables us to triumph over adversity. Our suffering can be a testimony of God's grace. Unmerited favor, eh? Our suffering can be a testimony of God's mercy. Forgiveness, right? Our suffering can be a testimony of the strength of the Holy Spirit working within us and drawing others to have hope in him. So this morning, what do we hear Paul calling us to do? I hear Paul calling us to express gratitude for those of us who are gifted with the spirit of having the legacy of having the spiritual inheritance. But I also hear him saying to those of us who may be the first family member that you know, that you're aware of, that may be saved. And hear Paul say to you, though you are, you are unable to recognize or identify another family member who is saved, I am, I am beginning the work with you. What a privilege. What a privilege to be counted and chosen by God to be the one that con continues the, in the legacy, the spiritual legacy in our families. Not only do we hear him say to express gratitude, but I hear him say to NLH this morning, NLH, stir up the gift of God within you. The gifts that were given to you when the Holy Spirit came in you and upon you, are you operating in them? Is the body of Christ benefiting because of what the gifts you have or are you working in compartments? I can only do this, but I can't do that. And that is why I will say to, to any member of any later that I say any morning, anything you want to do, call me. I am available. Am I, I'm, I'm not only the person that God has given the role of, of, of pastoral care. But I can do any, anything. And when we physically move into a space, I'm going to be the same one cleaning the toilets. I'm going to be the same one sweeping and packing out the chairs and unpacking them if they need to be unpacked. Because I realize that when the Holy Spirit is inside of you, there is nothing that you cannot do. To advance the kingdom of God. You make yourself available for everything. Because the Holy Spirit does not only preach and teach and prophesy and, and heal. He does not only sing. He does everything. Everything that gives the Father glory. And so I hear Paul saying to us this morning. Express gratitude for your spiritual inheritance. Stir up the gifts of God within you. Remember the spirit that you have is one of power, love and self-control. That's what it does. And embrace suffering for the gospel. This morning as I woke up, well, waking up is a, is a terminology that we use every morning. Eh? But as I prepare to come on this morning, I, I sense God say to me this morning, as you go, as you share, as you allow me to speak through you, I want you to lay your hands as a demonstration of stirring up the gifts inside my children. And so this morning, I want you to indulge me. It may feel like a, 
a foreign thing for some of us. It may be something that some of us are accustomed to. We do it so often that it becomes mundane. But this morning, right where you are, I, I want us to go before the Lord. And I'm going to be praying over each person. And I'm going to ask Reverend Heron to join me. And we are going to be praying. So could you, could you, could you either remove my spotlight or join both of us on spotlight, Tash? I am going to ask Reverend Heron to join me this morning, well, this afternoon. And we're going to lay hands from right where we are on each person. And we're going to believe by faith that as hands are laid upon you, that the gift of God that is in you will be stirred up. It will be rekindled. It will be reignited. And that what will happen is that the things that love that Ruth and Karen spoke about this morning, that Tashina came on clearly being experiencing this morning, is going to be activated in you. Love is going to be the byproduct, not the byproduct. It is the offshoot of everything that we do. For us to experience joy, we need love. For us to experience peace, we need love. For us to be patient, we need love. And you can think about the, the, the fruit of the spirit, the other segments of the fruit. For us to be humble, we need love. The foundation of our interaction. And so this morning, as we lay hands in the spirit from where we are, we are believing by faith that no longer will you live in a place of dormancy. No longer will you only experience sincere faith ever so often, now and then, but that you will become stable in your faith. When I said you, I mean the plural you, including myself and Reverend Heron. We will become stable in our faith, unwavering. I struggle with, unwa with, with, with wavering faith up today, down tomorrow. Oh, cry out to the Lord, giving myself away today and tomorrow. I, I, I grumbling and I complaining and I said no I catch myself and I said God I'm tired of being this up and down mm -hmm. I need to live in that place of stable faith so Reverend Aaron will you join me this morning as no. we and we're gonna I'm gonna work from my screen and the first person on my screen so I'm gonna ask you to pray and I'm going to be laying hands up. And the first person on my screen is my mother, Rifa. And the next person is Karen, then Ruth, Tashin. And I call the names as we pray along. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask you mm -hmm. to just come as you have already been here. God, you have already been in the different homes. You already occupy the bodies of your daughters and your sons. Yes. I ask you this morning. Yes. We pray. That you will Father. heal yourself. Yes. In Hallelujah. Go ahead, Reverend. Father, thank you for your empowering presence, oh, the Holy you. Spirit that you have given to us. Yes, God. Thank you that the Holy Spirit produces gifts. Mm. Gifts to be used for the building up of the body of Christ. Mm. For the furtherance of the gospel. For the building up of the kingdom of God. And Father, we lay hands in your name yes. on your children this morning. Mm. and pray for a release for an impartation mm. for Lord the fire that was started then yes, needs God. to burn strong to yes. burn strong yes God so that Lord mm. the world will see 
that mm. what Jesus yeah. says is true. Let your light so shine before men mm. that they may see you burn. Mm. They may see your good works. Yes, God. And come to glorify your Father who is in heaven. And so, Father, let that fire burn. Mm. Burn bright. Let that flame become brighter and brighter as the days go by. May your presence become more real to us as the persecution, the difficulties, the misunderstanding, the mm. suffering comes, Lord. Let, let the fire, let, let, let it be like Stephen. Stephen's face reflected the glory of God. Yes, God. As he burned for you to the very end, as the stones were flung on him. Oh, God, there's so much to do. There's so many people to be saved, to be brought into the kingdom of God. And it mm. is our responsibility. And thank you, Lord, that your word says that, in fact, your servant says, I am in prison. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. my message is not in prison. Yes. Lord, help us to release that message. Yes, God. That message which is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Yes. But the message is going to be preached through us. Mm. For Lord, you said it. That there is need for a preacher. Mm. Because if the message, if the if there's no preacher, there's no message. Mm -mm. And so, Lord, as we lay hands today, yes, we join with our sisters and brother, mm. and we give ourselves afresh to you, mm. that you might use us, Lord, for mm. we want to burn. Yes, God. As was said of John the Baptist, he was a burning and a shining light. <laughs> but one day, one day that light was put out. Mm. And we don't want that when our day come, Lord, we would have failed. Mm. We would have failed to serve you. Mm. We want to be like David who served his generation well and then mm. fell asleep. Mm. Mm. We don't want to fall asleep before we serve our generation, God. Mm. We want to be awakened. Mm. We want to awake and shine. Let our light so shine. Yes, God. And so, Father, may there be a manifestation. Yes. Yes, God. May each one of us feel and sense and know for sure, like the Apostle Paul said. Yes. I am persuaded. That that living faith lives in you. Mm. Lord, let there be no doubt about it. That the mm. faith of, that, that the gift of faith that you have given us is alive and it's working. Mm. For Lord, anything that is alive will grow. Mm -hmm. But mm. Lord, if it doesn't grow, it dies. Yes. Yes. We don't want it to die. Mm. We want this faith to grow. Yes, God. And bear forth fruit. Yes. In your name. So yes. as we stretch our hands. Yes, God. We yes. are not just laying hands symbolically. Mm. But we are lifting up our hands to you. Mm -hmm. And we are obeying the scripture that says we are to give thanks. We're giving thanks for the privilege we have of ministering to our sisters and our brothers, mm. of reminding them of the word of truth, yes, God. and of allowing the Spirit of God to work through us, yes, God, in order that this flame, this fire, Lord, the day of Pentecost, there were the cloven tongues like as a fire that came. And sat Ooh. upon everyone. None was excluded. Everyone experienced. 
Yes. The presence of the Spirit of God. Mm. And then the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm. Jesus went to each of his disciples in the upper room and he says, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. The mm. so sisters and brothers, including myself, yes, God. receive ye the Spirit of God. Yes. And let the Spirit of God burn within us. Mm. Let the presence, the empowering presence of God be on display every mm. moment of every day yes, in our God. lives. Yes. Lord, we give you the praise. Mm. We give you the glory. Mm. For only you, only you, Lord, can answer our prayers today. Mm. Only you can cause the fire to burn. Mm -hmm. And so we give you the praise. For yes, Lord, Moses discovered this when he saw this burning bush. And he thought it was the bush. But he discovered that it was not the bush. For any old bush would do. It was the presence of God. It was God who spoke from the bush. Moses, Moses, take off your shoe. Mm. For the ground on which you're standing is holy ground. And so this afternoon lord we are aware of the fact that we are standing on holy ground yes we are standing on holy ground we might be in our living room we might be in our study we might be in our bedroom wherever in our dining room wherever we are it's holy ground because mm. the lord and where the lord is it's holy ground. Yes. And so we bless you, Lord. Yes, God. We are like those of old. Yes, God. We are consecrating mm. this spot, this space, this moment in time. Mm. As the time when we release our spirit in full and complete surrender to the spirit of God. Yes, that the flame of your presence will shine through us mm. every day and every hour. Mm. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, God. We say ha ha hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. So Amen. Lay hands upon Rifa. Upon mm -hmm. the sheet, upon mm -hmm. Karen, upon mm -hmm. Mar, upon Laverne, upon mm -hmm. Jordan, upon Anna, upon Richard, upon myself. Mm -hmm. In the name we pray. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.